Hello and welcome to Backyard Catch. This is Nick Roby. Thanks for joining us once again. It is Friday, September 8th, 2023. We got another college week of college football to talk about. Super pumped about this weekend and a lot, a lot of fun things to, to get excited for. And just as we kind of step into the season, you know, that's what's interesting about week one is that you learn a lot about teams. You learn a lot about like where they're at. You learn, you know, maybe who are some teams that are maybe better than you thought and maybe some teams that you have more questions about. And week one's not the end all be all. And I think it's a classic thing. Do you like hype a team up or you have one thought going into a season? Then after one week, you your idea can change, but then it's still it's still only one week and there's still, you know, 11 more guaranteed games for all these teams. And so there's a lot of college football left. However, for some teams, it's a, it's an, it's an important game for everybody because it's the next game, but for some teams, it's very important, even more so. So as we get into this, I'm going to give some, we give some of my picks on spreads, talk about some games I'm interested in. And, but before we do that, I, I did promise that we would talk about Clemson and Duke, obviously, and I didn't forget about that. And, you know, that was a, that was not what I expected. And I think for a lot of people, most people thought, you know, Clemson would win, um, maybe not cover, but Clemson would win. And that Duke, Duke being a good team and that they could put up a good fight, but Clemson would come out on top. And even I think people even who were picking Duke and not just because they don't like Clemson, like, I don't know if they would have predicted what happened on Monday night. Yeah. I, that was very weird. I mean, to see Clemson having outrushed everybody and just could not get out of their own way and score. They were in the red zone five times, only scored one touchdown. I mean, they had 200 plus yards, both in passing and rushing. And that was not garbage time. That was like part of the offense. And they just couldn't do it. And, you know, as somebody who watches Clemson football and somebody who was really interested in seeing what this Garrett Riley offense would look like, it's not what I expected. You know, I expected some bumps and bruises, you know, going into the first matchup, but that was, yeah, it just seemed like they were still trying to figure out, you know, there seemed like there were some nerves that were in there and just some feeling out. And then people just, yeah, there weren't enough plays being made and the offense was getting down there, but then you had the fumble by Phil Moffa. You had, you had an interception. You just, the the missed field goals and you give credit to Duke. I mean, they're a strong team and I I don't think like the nine wins were a fluke and like Riley Leonard and those guys ready to play. Mike Elko is a great coach and I've just been impressed with what I've seen in him in a year and now some change. He's a great defensive mind. He clearly had a good game plan and was trying to make Clemson earn it from you know, knocking beat over the top. And especially when Clemson stopped taking shots in the second half, you know, they just basically tried to make Clemson earn it and Clemson would get close, but they never could finish it. And then Duke was able to, you know, that long run by Leonard escaping two tacklers to go ahead in the second half. And then they just slowly started, you know, 
progressing further. So it was impressive from them, but I think for Clemson, there's a lot to, there's a lot to still be improved on. I think there's things to be encouraged about, but I think there's a lot still to be improved on. And so they're playing Charleston Southern this weekend. And if you want more of, you know, insight on, you know, specifically from a Clemson's perspective, I do have another podcast called the Hill and Valley, which is covers Clemson specifically. Um, um, I, I wouldn't say like just like a beat writer, but just that from more of focusing in on, on one team. So you have that, but it's it's a big, I mean, even though they're playing an FCS school, it's a big game because they're wanting to get the offense right and wanting to get things cleaned up because they have that game, FAU, and then you got Florida State coming into town, which that one's a big matchup. But if you lose that one, now you already have two losses. And so still a lot to play for, for them, but it's a it's a big one. Another thing I want to mention briefly is just the whole Tez Walker situation. Um, I know that he had to get held out from the South Carolina game, which is a really big bummer for him because, you know, he's from that area, had like 30 friends and family. And yeah, it's just a really sad situation. And if you want to read more about it, you can. Um, but I feel like a lot of us know about it now. And Dan Say ruled that he was ineligible for the rest of the season because um, he had to sit out for the transfer, you know, transferring for a second time. And then Matt Brown put out a very strong statement. I mean, I've seen someone else say this. I, it's one of the most strong stated statements that you, that you could write as a coach. Um, he was, he did not hold back a lot of punches and really put out there what I think a, a lot of, a lot of coaches. And I think a lot of fans are feeling frustrated about, um, about it being more about the process than versus the the person. And just, I would just say too, it, it, it's inconsistencies and, you know, he, he didn't get to play his COVID year because they didn't have his school didn't have football. He then transferred to play football and then he transferred again, which was allowed at the time without penalty, you know, without losing a year. And then, But then they decide a few days after he made that decision that there was a one you had to sit out a year and then it was retroactive, but you didn't make your decision. It's like I the whole thing is just it, it's just kind of crazy to me. And I feel bad for the kid and and I'm hoping he gets an opportunity, you know, sometimes soon to show what he can do and really just kind of just get to to kind of end things on his terms, you know? So now you have it with that, but if you want to read the statement, it's out there on 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 the old Twitter or just wherever you know. And it's from the official North Carolina account. So let's talk some football. Let's talk some games. You know, so here are some games that you know I'm in a I'm in a contest, and so I'm using one to talk through those games. And so we'll just jump right on to it. We've got Notre Dame minus seven and a half at NC State. And so as we get into this, you know, week one, you learn a lot about teams. And I'm I'm still learning too. I didn't have the best week. I think I went three and seven. So not a great week one. But you know, that's what you learn. You watch film, you 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 go back, you get back to basics, you 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 
you can start over and then it's a fresh week. So it's a new start. So Notre Dame seven and a half at NC state. This one's interesting to me. It's one of the more interesting matchups because you've got two new quarterbacks who have transferred two ACC quarterbacks. Cause Sam Hartman was, you know, obviously at Wake Forest, Notre Dame's look strong in their first two games, but they haven't played maybe quite this is probably their toughest com- competition up until now. NC State's their first home game. They played at UConn. They pulled out a 10-point win. And Byron Armstrong was good with his legs, but I would say like they're wanting to see more improvement on offense. To me, I'm I'm taking the seven and a half with Notre Dame. I I think this could end up being a good game, but what I think I just think Notre Dame's ability to run the ball and control the clock, control the pace, and with what I've seen so far from Sam Hartman. I just think I, I see this being a couple touchdown game by the end. And so I think I think Notre Dame covers and covers pretty easily. You got Utah minus seven at Baylor. Utah with that strong statement win over Florida with their backup. And Baylor is out with out with their backup. So I'm gonna take Utah minus the seven. That one I feel pretty good about. Old Miss is going on the road at Tulane. Ole Miss is a, is a touchdown favorite over Tulane. Tulane's number 24 in the country. So Tulane has been one of the the darling picks of the the non, you know, non-power five teams to maybe see can make a run. And this is their first big opportunity. This being at home is a big deal to me. Because that's it's not the easiest place to play. Tulane's got a veteran quarterback, you know, got an offense that can be strong too. And Old Miss, it they've got some good pieces, but I think this being at Tulane gives me some hesitation with Old Miss just like automatically covering. So I'm actually gonna take Tulane to cover. I don't know if they went out right, but I'm gonna take them to cover the seven. I just think this comes down to less than a one possession game and Honestly, probably whoever has the ball last. I mean, that's how a lot of these games work, right? But I'm going to take Tulane um, at least to cover and maybe even pull off the upset. Texas A&M is going on the road at Miami. They're completing their home-and-home. Home. They won last year in College Station in, like, I think it was 17 to 17 to 9 and a low-scoring affair. They go on the road. A&M's a four-point favorite at Miami. This one was one of the harder ones to pick. It was harder because you have two new offensive coordinators and you this is like they're really their first big test. And it's hard to know like what you're going to see. And so I think this can be a close game. I To me, even though I don't, I don't know how the whole Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher thing is going to work out, honestly. I think... Jimbo is just such a he's a play caller at heart and it'd be interesting to see how much you know is Bobby Petrino allowed to call the offense and they're saying all the things that he's getting to I'm just saying when it comes down to a close game and you know you gotta get the right play call in like who's gonna who's making that call you know and with Miami they've got new offensive coordinator that, you know, which Tyler Van Dyke are we going to get? And are they going to have receivers that step up and they're at home, but like, what's that? I'm just curious what that environment's going to look like. And so I've got, I've got A and M minus four. 
I think they ended up winning by a touchdown. Like last year's number, they would have covered this. Um, and a lot of times, too, like it, uh, the home team, you'll, you'll get three points for being at home, roughly. You know, that's a very, that's like a guesstimate number to think about. So, like neutral field, you could almost argue AM's a seven point favorite. So, I think AM will cover this. I think it's going to be close. I don't feel as, like if it was a confidence meter, I don't feel honestly as confident as other ones, but. I'm taking AM, I think, to cover on the road. And I don't think I think we'll get some of those questions maybe answered later in the year, but I think they take care of business on the road. We've got Iowa and Iowa State. This one's always interesting because they play a big rivalry matchup early in the season because they're out of conference. Iowa's the four-point favor at Iowa State. I Cade McNamara, I mean, they, they scored 24 points last week. If they can get that kind of performance, Iowa has a, a strong defense. Iowa State's having to start different people because of the whole um, the betting scandal stuff that's going on over there. I just, to me, I think Iowa can control if they can control the ball and control momentum. They'll take care of business with the defense they have. I think I think they cover for sure. But I mean, it's it's not a high scoring game usually with Iowa, but I think they cover. App State is going to North Carolina. North Carolina, as we have this, was an 18-point favorite. Um, North Carolina was very impressive in Charlotte against South Carolina. 18 is an interesting number because what you're saying is like it, it's more than two touchdowns, and it can seem like a lot. However, I just think that North Carolina can score and score really well, and their defense show that they can they can hold their own. And I think I had some, I had some questions answered about their receivers because they're missing you know, Tez Walker, like we talked about, and Nate McCollum, who they're also, you know, the transfer from Georgia Tech. They're missing those guys, and they looked really strong on offense, and they could run the ball with British books. And so it doesn't have to all be just Drake May in the running game. So I feel comfortable with that. I'm going to take UNC minus the 18. You've got SMU, the new ACC school, which still feels kind of weird, at Oklahoma, the new SEC school. So we've got a classic ACC-SEC matchup. Oklahoma's a 16 and a half point favorite. I don't care who you play. Like what Oklahoma did to Arkansas State on Saturday, that was impressive. I think they cover this 16 and a half. I just think the offense have shown that they're really powerful and I could see them winning by three touchdowns. Southern Miss is going to Florida State. So after their big statement win over LSU and Orlando, Florida State gets Southern Miss at home. It's 30 and a half, but I, you know, I just feel comfortable with what that offense was able to do. I think they take care of business and they seem like they're on a mission this year. So, I mean, it is an opportunity for a letdown when it comes to the spread, but I'm just not, I'm not bent against Florida State in this one. So Florida State covering the 30 and a half and then Nebraska at Colorado. Colorado put on a show as we've talked about on the channel and on the podcast. Uh, Nebraska l- lost a tough one on, you know, they lost a tough one on the road at Minnesota. They have to go to Colorado. It's, you know, I mean, a sold out game, you know, national media, you know, Fox's um, big new kickoff. I think Col- or Colorado was like a nine point underdog before the game. And now they're a three and a half point favorite. I, what they did at TCU. I'm this one's, I mean, this one to me, I'm, 
I'm taking Colorado all day. You know, I'm not paying against them at home. And I think they do have a follow-up act. I don't think it was a fluke per se. And I also don't think Nebraska's quite the team to like to really, you know, be make me question as much like Colorado winning and covering. Um, I, I I don't so I think with Colorado, they will be tested, you know, later in the season for sure. But I just think they take care of business at home and like they're on a mission too. And I, I don't know. I just want to bend. I wouldn't bend against them personally right now. So I'm not. So there you go. I'm not, you're not beating me twice, Colorado. And then the big one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Texas is coming to Alabama and Alabama's a seven point favorite. Alabama last year escaped with a one point win. Quinn Ewers goes out with the injury. You had the, Roughing the passer play that was called instead of the safety. If Quinn Ewers plays in that whole game, I don't know if Alabama wins. Like, I mean, Alabama like escaped. And they did, I mean, credit to them. They they did. They won the game. New quarterback and Jalen Miller Millero looked good. You know, it's Middle Tennessee. And I know that Texas, you know, wasn't quite firing on all cylinders, but at the same time, I I think I, to me, I, I'm very curious to see the matchup between the Texas wide receivers and the Alabama DBs, and how 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 much Texas is able to move the ball. I think this is going to be a close game. I I can see this being within a touchdown, and and which leads me to why I'm taking Texas because I just think seven points is just a little too much. If it was like four or three, I'd be much more hesitant. But with seven. I think Texas makes it close, and I think it just comes down to the wire, and and which should be a good game. It should be a really fun one from the weekend. So I'm going to take Texas to cover the seven. So just running that back, I have Notre Dame seven and a half at NC State, Utah. I'm taking them seven on the road at Baylor, Tulane. I'm taking the plus seven at home against Old Miss, Texas A&M minus four at Miami. Iowa minus four at Iowa State. Uh, UNC minus eight. I'm taking them to cover the 18 at home over App State. Oklahoma at home, the 16 and a half against SMU. Texas, the plus seven at Alabama. Florida State, the 30 and a half at home against Southern Miss. And uh, I'm sorry, Colorado, the three and a half against Nebraska. So there you have it. A bunch of fun college football. I'm super pumped. I'm. it's gonna be a lot of fun, a lot of fun matchups this weekend, and and be very interesting to see when the dust all settles after this weekend. You know, what what the cards look like and who's who's ranked and all the fun storylines as we start heading into getting closer and closer, you know, to October and and getting a little bit more settled in the season. But a lot of fun football. Hope you enjoy it. Have fun. Enjoy the help you some beautiful weather where you are. Um, Helpful things for me. If you're wanting to know how to support the channel, you can. Uh, we're we're trying to put out more content on the channel, so subscribe to the YouTube channel, and, and we're putting it out there. Like the video; that's really helpful for us. And if you are on podcast, make sure you subscribe so you can get all those latest episodes and latest updates. So, thank you so much. Hope you enjoy a wonderful weekend of college football. I'll talk to you later. Thanks.